Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Grumpy Pony podcast. So in this episode I am so excited to tell you that we're going to be talking to the one and only Duncan Rhodes. Now if anyone know, if you don't know who Duncan Rhodes is, um, for many years he was very much the, the face of Games Workshop tutorials and it was on Warhammer TV a lot and for a lot of people was the it was the go-to to see if we wanted to improve our painting, how we would do that, um, you know, and get the most out of it. So Duncan was very much the face of that. So um, I was really excited when he actually responded to my email. I wasn't expecting him to actually respond. Um, I imagine he's really busy because he has just, um, he's just started the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy, which is an online service. If you haven't seen it, make sure you check it out. I will put a link to the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy in the podcast description. So make sure you have a look at that. Um, yeah, Duncan was an absolute pleasure to talk to. Um, it was so, I'm so grateful for him taking the time to speak to me and to to help support the shop and, and all that. So yeah, without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, Duncan. Uh, thanks so much for joining me on the Grumpy Pony podcast today. Um, You're very welcome. Really appreciate it. It's absolutely freezing in the shop today, so I hope you're nice and comfy where you are. Well, I do have a, a hot water bottle just sort of hidden on my lap. Amazing. <laughs> um, and, uh, oh, it's, yeah, there's a bit of a blizzard outside. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Hopefully that's going to clear up soon. It looks like it's going to clear up. But um, first of all, what I want to talk about, obviously, the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy. Mm. Um it's been, from what I can see, it's been, it's, it's hit the ground running, been really successful. Um, I'd yes. love to talk to you some more about it. And um, really, but and first thing I want to sort of touch on is how did you go from like that journey? When, when did you make the decision to sort of go on your own and, and make the Painting Academy? Um, well, it was um, something that had a bit of a, a bit of a history to it, really, because um, I mean, I've been doing the, the job at Games Workshop quite a long time at that point, and certainly, absolutely loved every minute of the job it was always really good fun but um throughout all of it i was working with this fellow called roger who was the producer who was kind of the um the genesis of the whole idea of doing these painting things really and um i kind of fell into it by being in the right place at the right time but behind the scenes he'd always been pushing to do this sort of thing and was constantly developing it and another dream that he had was to run his own business and it's just something he always wanted to do and um He'd often talk about it to me and stuff, but the two of us, because we'd worked together, just the two of us in a soundproof room for years and stuff, we, you know, we we got to know each other very well. And he often talk about this kind of dream he had, and then it kind of got to the point where we realised, well, we're we're at an age that if you wanted to do something like that, it's kind of like now or never. And mm. we also we had the um, the know-how. Um, he had all the understanding of all the equipment, and I, of course, was very experienced in doing the presentation and explaining things. We had the audience, people who wanted to watch our stuff. Um, we'd also gained the uh, the savings to be able to afford a startup, you know, uh, without having to worry about a loan or anything like that. So we were kind of in a unique position where everything was just sort of aligned for it. And we were like, hmm, dare we try it? Yeah. <laughs> dare, we, dare we ever go? And so we thought, you know, well, we've got this idea. We ended up going home and talking to our, you know, our, our girlfriends. And we were like, yeah, we've had this idea and stuff. And they were like, yeah, do it. Yeah. That sounds amazing. So we just, it sort of the, the ball started rolling. And so gradually more and more, we were like, yeah, I think we could make something of this. And so we just decided that it was at a point that if we didn't do it, we'd always be looking back and regretting the fact that we never tried anything like this. Yeah. Because being able to be your own boss, like I'm sure, as you know, being able to run yeah. your business is it's such a wonderful sense of freedom. 
and the ability to do whatever you want, not be beholden to anything other than your audience, really. Um, it just meant that it was something that we felt like we'd always regret it if we didn't try it. So um, we grit our teeth and were very brave and um, decided to make the jump. <laughs> yeah. Do you find it really nerve wracking to, to leave Games Workshop after so long? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Because Games Workshop's like a, um, a thriving community in, in of itself in, in the business. And every, in, you meet those people. There are a lot of people who are lifers who are there for a long, long time. Yeah. And Chris Peach, like my, my mate, he's been there for longer than I have. And, <laughs> you know, he's he's part of the woodwork, practically. Like a person like that is very much Games Workshop. So yeah. you'll be surrounded by all these people and start to think to yourself, you know, maybe I want to try something different. It's a different, it's very difficult step to take because it's just so easy to keep kind of, you know, staying in that warm environment. Yeah, and um, I suppose at that point as well, your popularity mm. was was massive. I mean, yeah. I, remember every, yeah. I, I mean, there's a running joke among sort of the, my hobby group and stuff. They always say, you know, if everyone mentions Duncan, they say, oh, Duncan, yes, our Lord and Saviour. Yes. You know, <laughs> yeah, that was, you know, if you wanted yeah. to know how to get something done, we check one of these tutorials out, you know. Was... <laughs> yeah. Well, that was just a very weird thing that was just kind of a side effect of it all. Because I, I never went into it wanting any kind of fame out of it. And I still don't particularly care about that kind of thing. I just want to show people how to um, unlock the, the hobby, really, and be able to yeah. get the results they want. Because when I was a kid, I always wanted to paint the things like how they look in the box. And I had no idea how it was done. Yeah. And I was a really shy and introverted kid, so I was too scared to ask. And um, I just sort of gradually figured it out up until I made friends when I started working in Games Workshop Retail. So I've always just wanted to kind of share that welcoming aspect of it and help people enjoy their stuff. Um, but all of the, like, the odd... Oh, I don't know, we're calling it celebrity, but all the weird stuff like that that came off it, all the memes, all this sort of stuff, the Lord and Saviour, that kind of... Yeah, yeah. Um, just a bizarre side effect, which is kind of like, it's charming because... Um, it's nice that people like like you and want to do that sort of mm. thing, um, but it's certainly never been the number one draw for me. I just want to no. be able to teach people how to do stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because like you know, so you're having the shop and stuff. One of the things I've always done as as part of the shop is is have spaces for tutorials and teaching people mm. to to paint. And obviously, my painting's nowhere near yours. So, you know, I just do basic. You know, this is how you use the paints essentially, um, but it's enjoyable just for that when you see someone actually start at the beginning of the tutorial they don't have a clue what they're doing they're sometimes really nervous mm. but by the end of it just ex so excited about painting yeah. stuff for their their own way or you know getting what they want out of it and all of a sudden this this massive sort of um hill that they think they can't get over mm. they've gone oh this is actually a lot easier than I thought, or they've achieved something that they never thought they could. So yeah, absolutely. That that whole experience is magic for you, isn't it? Like when yeah. you see it happening and you realise you've helped them, like they just put a wash on for the first time on like a, a face or something, and the detail suddenly jumps out. And they're like, yeah. oh, it's that easy. And like, yeah, it is. It is. It's just like it's just practice. You know, just keep your hands steady and you, you're good. And um, I, that was always my favourite thing too, as well. When I was working in games workshop retail, I always enjoyed showing people how to do this stuff and unlocking it and things and so my career then has always kind of I've always found myself drawn towards that sort of thing which I suppose yeah. is how I ended up in the tv gig um but it, it these experiences are things that you don't really think of it at the time like it could just be a painting lesson um but it can really affect someone and take them off in a direction give them like support that you know at the time you may not realize but actually turns out to be a big deal because I, I certainly experienced that in retail you know yeah um, you kind of become a um like a, a role model in some ways and you'd sometimes find yourself approached by somebody who'd like they, they might you know 
might just be a thing, you know, they're like a bit nervous and they're trying to get out of the shell and gain confidence and stuff. On the other hand, they might have just had something quite um, huge happen in their life, like a sudden, like a change or something like that, or, you know, like, um, like it could be a good experience or a bad experience or something like that. And they might want to come and talk to you about it. And you suddenly realize it's quite an odd thing because you're there staffing a shop, but the person's coming to you like, this thing's just happened. I don't know what to do. And I don't know who to talk to you. And they've come to talk to you. And you realize it's because of that sort of connection of trust you've developed yeah. with them. Um, and it, it's it's really weird. It's so strange. And you just don't think about it at the time, but these relationships develop like that. And I suppose, I mean, even for me, it kind of goes back to um, when I first bought a set. You know, I went into Games Workshop with my dad and we bought um, a little box of six Space Marines, the Warriors and Imperium, and a few paints and things. And the guy who sold them to me is this fellow called Chris, um, not Chris Peach, it's a different Chris. Um, but he was just a staff member at the time and he kind of moved on to a different store. But He's always been at Games Workshop and he then was the guy that employed me. And I, I had such a nice experience when we were picking out the Space Marines and, you know, like talking about how we're going to paint them and all this kind of stuff. And it's like that interaction made me feel welcome in a Games Workshop. And then all of a sudden throughout my career, he's still there and he's still there working at Games Workshop. Um, he's very much into kind of like what the, um, uh, the, I suppose, the ethos of what Games Workshop is. He kind of like trains people on that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's like, it's weird. Like maybe if I hadn't talked to him, maybe if I talked to somebody who was having an off day and was rude to me, I never would have gone this way. But it, yeah, and it, it's, it's funny, it's, it's funny, like you say about the, that whole experience. And I think mm. the hobby shop in general, I think is mm. unique in that respect that you have that level of interaction with the people who run the shops or are managing the shops. It's yeah. completely different from any other sort of just sort of shopping environment. Yes, you know, it is. It's, it's, it's yeah. a bit more than that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it, it, it just having understood it, like experienced a bit of it myself with workshop, it was different for independent stores, of course, but it means people like yourself and um, all the guys working in these stores and stuff, it can sometimes be a bit of an unsung hero, but really you guys are like the front line of this hobby mm. and it, you are the people who get people into it, really. Um, so I think that should never be forgotten or underestimated. So yeah. it's, it's always a pleasure to talk to folks like yourself and, you know, <laughs> and people like that. Well, yeah, I mean, I had a brief... <laughs> Uh, be a brief sort of period of time with Games Workshop because that's where I sort of learned how to sort of run a shop essentially before before I sort of opened my place. So I was, only, I was there for a very, I don't think it was even a year. I, I just learned how to run the shop and then that was, that was it. But, you know, I love my time there with them. You know, I don't think I could say anything bad about my experiences with Games Workshop. Um, but like yourself, I just wanted to go out and do it myself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, it, it's a scary thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, when you, when it does start working and you realize you can afford to eat, you know, Oh my goodness. Thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, know. I mean, but, you know, obviously for me at the moment, it's very different. We're, you know, we're not sort of operating really at all, but, um, with you, obviously you're still able to sort of operate. You're still getting the videos out and mm. you've still got your membership is, is, you know, and all that. But have you have you hit any sort of challenges that you weren't expecting like with, with the the painting academy? With the academy. Um, yeah, I suppose kind of two things because it's just Roger and me doing it. So um, I think firstly, we're a bit surprised by um, how many things you have to keep running at the same time. And I kind of liken it to people a bit like, you know, that sort of spinning plates. Thing yeah. It's like that. You kind of um you do a load of something like okay so right i've got to do my customer correspondence stuff and that's my one of my roles okay so i answer all the emails okay wicked i now got to go and do this 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 and you realize oh it's been ages since i checked the customer emails oh god i'm gonna go run back and go and do that <laughs> then you're like oh god i've not collected all my receipts for all of the for the accountant oh god and you gotta run up and you know so that's something that surprised me about it because i'm quite a forgetful guy anyway but like forgetting jobs and things is a bit of a hmm. <laughs> we actually we had a 
uh, a meeting with a fellow who's in, in the industry working for one of these companies, a really, really nice guy, again, ex-Games Workshop staff, and he was like, said to us, first person you're going to have to get is to employ somebody to handle those things for you so that you don't forget about stuff and you can just concentrate on what you do. And he's 100% right. So that's yeah. what we're going to do, I think, this year at some point, get someone to help us with that. Yeah. Um, but I think the other thing that's a big surprise is the amount of choice that there is and how difficult it is to cover it and get it right. Um, because of course it used to just be games workshop stuff. So you could just follow whatever came out new each month. But now that we're doing anything and everything, it's like, right, uh, what are we going to do this month? I'm like, okay, well, we need to cover this subject, this subject, this subject, this subject. And you're like, you can, oh, no, we can't do all of it. So what do we yeah. do? And then you like, you realize, again, it's like spinning place. Like, oh, we've not done a World War II thing for a while. Quick, we better do some World War II. And, <laughs> yeah, so, so did you have, do you have, are you getting like a formula down now for, I'm yeah, going to go this, then this, then this? Yeah, what we do is we write down um, for the month, we make a, like a, a chart of like, okay, so these are the things and we want to have this sort of general subject. So it'd be like, um, I mean, Warhammer, unsurprisingly, is the most popular thing. I bet it's the most popular thing in your, your store. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like, all right, so each week we kind of want to have a Warhammer thing. So it could be 40K, could be, you know, Lord of the Rings, could be Age Sigma, whatever. Um, and then around that, we want to mix it up with some other things. So it'll be like, um, we'll put a slot in of like, okay, so this one we're going to do, um, 40k then we're going to do a generic fantasy thing and then we're going to do a third thing which will be a um, historical or something like that and it'll, we'll kind of block it out to try and make sure over the course of the month everything has something addressed yeah. um, and then we'll fill it in in detail as to what it's going to be but um, you got to react to what happens and what comes out and what people request because you might suddenly get a flurry of emails of people saying oh can you paint um, something from uh, Thranduil's elves for Lord of the Rings for example which is what yeah. happened um, a week or two ago so it's like oh okay well we can rearrange and we can do one of his palace guards so that's gonna be one of our videos coming up shortly um so yeah we, we kind of were able to react like that but i think we've got a fairly solid method now of working it out but it's still very difficult because it'll still be a while and you realize oh yeah we've not done a war machine thing for a while we need to do something for that so quick yeah. <laughs> have you got have you got anything sort of like i just really want to get that painted or oh, i just want i just want to paint that so just want to do that. Oh, oh yeah that happens all the time so yeah. um we've got uh, we've actually got um for ice and fire um we got the mother of dragons set cool mini very kindly sent us a box that's like yep i really want to paint those three dragons um yeah. and that's just something i want to do it was the same for the elder scrolls and we received the um they sent us a load of skyrim things uh, from modifius yeah and uh, i was like oh these models are amazing i love them and i suddenly realized just how much i like just liked this stuff because it had been available for a while but actually seeing it physically i was like yes and then they announced the dragon it's like yes I want to <laughs> don't care if anyone is interested i want to do a dragon yeah <laughs> but there's it's a bit of a balancing thing because you've also got to not get carried away with what you want to do you've got to mm. deliver for your audience there's always saying same, same with the videos you know it's not about me it's about the thing yeah so um it's difficult and like i don't want to indulge myself too much things like the french napoleonic fusilier that we did that was me indulging myself because i wanted to do it same with the british soldier but yeah you know, <laughs> um, careful not to overdo that yeah i mean what i was gonna say one of the things i actually do really like on there is that um because i'm as a like i say as friends of mine who are basically you know i've got to see what duncan's doing if i'm gonna paint this i've got to see how he's doing it mm -hmm. and one of the things a friend of mine always used to do on the Games Workshop tutorials that you did is he would take screenshots as the paints came up. Oh yeah. So when it said, these are the paints you need, so he'd take a screenshot of that. And then when you went into each section, it would say, these are the, the paints you need for this, right, screen, screenshot of that. So then when 
I said to him, I said to him, you do know that, you know, for the painting tutorials that they do on the, the painting academy, they've just got a list of the paints. Mm-hmm. And for him, he was just like, right, I'm getting them. But that is it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it's it's so weird because it's, it's like you say, it's, it, that is what the audience wants. Mm-hmm. And it's, it seems like a really simple thing, but you've, mm-hmm. you know, you've gone, right, this is what they want. This is what they're doing. And I didn't know if you knew that people were doing that, but it's that little <laughs> level of detail on this is what people want. And this is oh, how we can make it easier for them. As Roger, who puts together those lists, he'll be happy that people are using them so much. Yeah, I, I just it's, it's 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 one of those things that seems really simple and easy, but it's actually something that people don't normally do. So yes. it's quite quite a nice nice touch for people, especially especially my mate who's just like you should see his phone's just got screenshots <laughs> of lists of paint, just <laughs> all photos of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all he has. But uh, yeah, uh, no, I love all that. Um, so like your sort of journey going to because you weren't always in front of a camera oh no so you know how did that come about so when you started at games workshop were you just were you painting then as well yeah yeah that's right so i worked in the retail as i mentioned but then i I left games workshop to go and get a get a real job out in the the world and i ended up working in an office um for a company that sort of sold central heating controllers and stuff like that and it's just i was doing it for a job but it was soulless so i always wanted to go back to something i really enjoyed and um uh, job start coming up games workshop in the studio and um in the meantime chris peach who had i'd been working with in retail he'd moved into the studio and he was working this team called the army painters and um a job came up to be in that team and he was like you'd be really good at this so i applied and i got the job and so it was not like a particularly difficult um jumping through hoops kind of exercise to you know to like because at least sorts of things to the outside can be like how on earth do you get a job in the studio well you mm. just apply for it and if you're the best candidate you'll get the job and I mean, like, it wasn't a, a an easy thing. It was like certainly challenging on the day to do the tasks and things. And I very nearly messed it up. Um, but I think I had the right attitude for what they wanted. At least that's the feedback I got afterwards about it. Um, so I got the role. And it, that job was um, essentially about painting, um, well, painting armies, as the name suggests, but also doing scenery and things. And what it was really about was doing hobby content for publications. So right. it would be, for example, um, White Dwarf would want to do an article that month because a new Blood Angels Battle Force has come out. So my job would be to do that Blood Angels Battle Force and kind of build it and paint it and show it off. And, you know, basically it's kind of advertising, I guess. But it's like, it's that sort of thing. But it's also um, doing other various projects or back ranks for armies to make them feel that a bit better. And it kind of evolved a little bit. We sort of got more involved in painting armies as sort of second colour scheme armies for codexes, like... Um, mm. I did an Iron Army for Eldar, for example. So in an Eldar codex, it was all the usual Beltan and St. Han. Then this Iron Army appears out of nowhere. My job would be to paint those kind of things. Right. Um, and then the, the paint range got refreshed and the TV studio got made at about the same time. And they had the idea of making a um, DVD to go with the paint guide. And my schedule just happened to be free. But it all, I was really excited about it because throughout this stuff in the studio, my favourite part was putting together the paint guides and trying to make them as honest as possible. Um, so doing it on video was an opportunity to show it for real. And in that video, I didn't talk or anything. I just held my hands up and painted. And there was a voiceover done elsewhere. And, you know, it was all kind of, you just just paint and they'll annotate it. Yeah. Um, but I was really excited about it. And that's where I met Roger. And he was kind of the guy who was running this project, well, trying to work it out. And it was like his first project. He'd like, literally taken the cameras out the box and was trying to work out how to use them when I first yeah. came to say hello. Um, but we really hit it off. And it was a great fun project. And after that he was always kind of thinking like there's ways we can improve this and he managed to talk his boss into allowing him to do the experiment 
So they arranged to have my schedule free for like two days. And we made a video about building a riptide battle suit, like a full start to finish how to put it together. It's a really boring video and it's like an hour and a half long, but it proved the concept and it was kind of yeah. like the rough genesis as to what these videos would look like. Um, and it got approved. So a job went up. Roger came down to me in the studio one day, knocked on the door. It's like, oh my God, they're going to advertise for a presenter. I think you'd be really good at it. And I was like, oh my God, I'm very introverted. I'd be very scared about being on camera. Um, but he was like, I think, you know, you got the right attitude. I think we could do something with this. So I, I thought about it and it wasn't an easy choice, mm. uh, but it was like, like starting the academy. Um, the argument that swayed me was, if you don't do this, if it turns out to be something really successful and helps people, you'll always regret that you could, you didn't try. Yeah. So I gave it a go and I got the job and um, it took me a while to, I remember very early on, I was very robotic and even those early videos, I still kind of am, but we sort of like honed towards a more casual approach and over time I just kind of got used to it um so yeah it's yeah it's a very unnatural thing for me to be in that front and center but I guess I just kind of got used to it I'm I'm a much better teacher I think than I am at um being a center of attention I like helping people do stuff and I think that's what comes across yeah and I, th I think as well actually the interesting thing is that your sort of experience in front of the camera sort of mirrors your you've got a quote on your website that says you know you only get better by practicing essentially yes Yes. You know, and and it's the same thing with that. You you you've started. You obviously you've got to start somewhere, hmm. and get better. You, it's, it's interesting yeah. that you've got that same that same philosophy is carried over as well. It, well, I suppose you've always had that somewhere. That sort of idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Rome wasn't made in a day. It's like you got to yeah. you got to develop these things. You got to work at them. No one just gets good at something overnight. Um, but you got to put the effort in, you know, if you want to practice. And I, I really did want to practice. I wanted to do as good a job as I could. Mm. And especially at the time of Games Workshop, it was an, in the era before community turned up. So, you know, um, it was actually at that time, no names were on anything. They were trying to make it very unpersonal. So they, even in things like novels, there was no names of people in novels and stuff. Yeah. It was very curious. So Roger had to really argue to get my name put on anything. Um, but uh, I was terrified of people not liking me or like, you know, thinking, oh, Games Workshop's a horrible entity, let's hate this guy because he's the only way we can hate. But actually it was complete opposite and everyone really liked it. But yeah, I put the work in. I used, to, I remember cooking dinner, um, narrate, like basically presenting what I was doing to try right. and get to how to talk and how to present, you know, basically the pace to go and things. Roger would give me exercises to do to practice, you know, my, um, uh, my projection and my pacing and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, there was a lot of work behind it. But Roger was a very good teacher at it. He'd always, like, you know, he'd always make me rehearse and stuff. And he'd pick out what I was doing wrong, give feedback on it. We'd work on it. And, you know, we worked on it for quite a long time before the first video went out. Yeah, and it's paid off because, yeah, like I say, like, you... Yes, yeah, you, thank you, God. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, can you imagine yourself doing anything else now? Um, I, I don't know. I certainly don't feel like um, I'd want to. Like, I just really enjoy working in this industry and just showing people how cool it's yeah. um I, I certainly never expected to end up doing something like this i mean like anybody when i was younger i didn't really know what one to do with my life um, i just sort of fell into it and yeah i, I think i'd always want to work in this industry in some way i kind yeah. of hope the academy can grow and we can start to you know do some other things with it but we'll we'll see you know we want to make sure we do things at the right pace yeah no absolutely no so I, I think it's been great and i think you deserve all the success you can get in to be quite honest so, yeah, you. i think it's been brilliant <laughs> Uh, and, but it's, it's this, this interesting thing with this hobby and the, the communities that sort of develop. It's, it's so unique, you know, and mm -hmm. there's a reason why you get people that work for life in Games Workshop. And there's a reason mm -hmm. why mm -hmm. that people want to work within this industry, because 
people love it. They genuinely love it. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. You know, like, like I said, my, my painting is, I'd say tabletop standard. I'm happy with that level. Mm -hmm. But then there's the option for people, if they're not happy with that, they can push it on, mm -hmm. you know. And I know people who I met and I'm now friends with people who I did tutorials with years mm -hmm. and years ago who are head and shoulders above better than me now at painting, <laughs> you know, uh, because they I'm want sure to. sure you're better than you think you are. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, because well, the thing is, I... I enjoy because I, I, mean, I imagine you're really good about painting at speed as well. Because imagine when you're working at Games Workshop, you had to paint quite a lot quite quickly. Yeah, it, it was two different kind of. Um, there's like lots of different ways of painting these things. It's not just like a start of you know, like you start as a beginner, and the best is like the sort of competition heavy metal kind of thing. There's like different branches you go on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So speed painting is a different different discipline entirely. Um, and I can do that, um, and I can do like I, I'm not competition level. I can do higher. I, I consider my stuff to be like I'd probably call it high end tabletop. I guess is more honest about what I like to go for. But when I'm going to that point, I'm obviously slowing down, so I can kind of like vary my technique for different things. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, speed painting and iron painting is like it's a different. You got to have willpower to do it, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, well, it's like, so I, I, I like. I like seeing a completed unit. Yes. Yeah, that's what I, I love that. I'll very rarely, I mean, unless it's like a big centerpiece model, then I'll mm. spend ages on it. But mm. otherwise I like a big, I'm, all my armies are horde armies. Everyone's always <laughs> taking the, take, take the mickey out of me. <laughs> I always say like, oh, this time I'm not gonna do a horde army. I'm gonna do an elite army of some sort. And then mm. next week I've, I've bought a box of goblins or something, it's just like, yeah, not, yeah. Just, you know. You're yeah. not quite there yet, Ben. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. I, I end up like if I paint a single miniature, I'm like, oh, I'm happy with that. But he needs some friends. Yeah. And I inevitably start doing a unit. And the same with skirmish games. I do a skirmish game. I'm like, oh, yeah, I like playing a skirmish game. But like like with um, Elder Scrolls, Call to Arms, right? I, I've done like a bunch of Imperials. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I like that. But I kind of want a regiment of them. Yeah. A standard bearer. Then I want a cavalry unit. And then I want like, you know, it inevitably starts to turn into yeah. a larger army. Do you, of, do you often, when you're painting units like that, do you get yourself lost in sort of a narrative or are you, are you just sort of going, right, this is how I think they look, but then not sort of, yeah, it, you know, I'm one of these people who, if I'm building a unit, I might put something that's not, probably not normally on that, on that kit. Just mm -hmm. sort of make him a bit unique, and I'm going right. Well, yeah, this guy's a bit of a pirate, or he does this, and I've built this story. It's only for me, really, because no one else is going to know this story. But I've built a narrative around it. Do you find you do that, or are you much more oh, yeah. the technical yeah. side of painting? Yeah, for to get my interest in something, it's got to have some kind of law that captures my imagination. And yeah. for my personal taste, it's got to be something that's quite believable. So far out, crazy, wild things don't really grab me very much because it's too strange for my mind. Yeah, and um, when things are kind of like entrenched in reality then i'm in and yeah. uh, so i think that's why I, my favorite kind of stuff stuff tends to be fantasy um yeah. medieval fantasy kind of or ancient or you know that sort of thing um so when i'm painting units of things i think to myself like well, like what are these troops like where do they come from how would they re be represented like what sort of colors would they use mm. uh, so for example that would um <laughs> I, I think when i got the most obsessive about this is when i was painting bretonians um because i'd be like right okay so this army's from this place, okay, and this place has this heraldic symbol, but my army's led by this guy, so he has a different heraldic symbol. So how does that affect his colour scheme? Okay, so it's going to be sort of this combination of things. Okay, so that's going to be on the battle standard bearer. Okay, so the battle standard bearer is going to be also a character. 
he's probably going to have his own men-at-arm retainers. And as he's a noble and a higher rank, he's going to bring perhaps a whole unit. So I want to have a unit in my battle standard bearer's colours. Okay, cool. Right. Then there's my regular knights. Okay. Their banner, that should be the champion's colours, right? And it kind of sort of <laughs> snowballs. Yeah. And before I know it, like before I painted anything, I'm like, I, I can be sat there about to paint my first peasant. And instead, this is all going through my mind of like this large overarching system as to how this stuff works. And sometimes it can stop me from even getting started because I'm too, <laughs> like, ah, I don't want to get it wrong. So I have to kind of like, right, shut up, brain, just paint it red. Off we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you just got to get started. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But this happens to me through like like all these different sorts of games. I start thinking to myself, right, okay, so I want the, I'm going to start with a unit. Okay. And then I'm going to paint a general. Okay. But in between that, there's going to be lesser characters who have to look more opulent than the regular troops, but not as opulent as a commander. And I can start to like really drive myself nuts with it. I'm yeah, oh, yeah it's, it's, it's true. I mean, it happens to me. It happens to me. I'll, I'll, I'll end up building something and it'll be sat there. I'll undercoat it and then go, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to commit to colours just yet. Mm -hmm. I've got other things I want to do, some other plans yeah. that are in there. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, but that's one, one of the things I think that's so great about this hobby where you can sort of create something that is unique to you and you know or you know like I say when you was you were coming up you wanted to paint things like it was on the box but you don't have to do it like that you know you have those yeah. that flexibility yeah absolutely yeah. yeah I just went and painted my own first space marines my own color scheme and just because I you know I wanted to do them like that and then like you learn all the law stuff and like oh okay <clears throat> so it's supposed to be like that according to the law but like you know then I start resting with myself as that's what it should be versus that's what I wanted it to be yeah, I, I get really wound up in knots about that sort of stuff sometimes. So, are you are you a gamer, or do you play at all, or, or are you much yeah, more yeah. painting? I'm more of a more of a painter, I guess, or like a modeler, I guess, because I kind of like making armies. And my sweet spot of when I like the look of the collection is when it's about a thousand points worth of yeah. 40k stuff. You know, so maybe it'd be like four units in a character. Like for some reason, I just think that looks really visually appealing, um, and I like to. Yeah, play these games with them. I'm more a narrative kind of gamer. I'm mm. I lose interest quickly when it comes to competitive stuff. And like I was saying, with that kind of like, I like to imagine the society really behind the army. Um, if I'm playing competitively, that stuff goes out the window and it suddenly loses its depth for me and it becomes a bit yeah. more. So um, yeah, I I through that lens is how I tend to play. So I'm quite whimsical about my army choices. But yeah, there's plenty of games I play. I mean, obviously like the one the ones as people know from over the years. Um, out of Games Workshop, I'd probably say my favourite game they do is Adeptus Titanicus, um, because that's very narrative. Yeah. And that kind of forms a narrative as you play it. It's very interesting to watch happen, and it's very well designed to. Um, but uh, I really enjoy Ice and Fire by Call Me or Not, um, yeah. based on yeah. the Ice and Fire novels. That's a, that's a really, really well designed game. And the yeah. miniatures are soft plastic, except for their weapons. So if anyone's not tried it before, you might be a bit put off by that knowledge. But these are the best soft plastic miniatures out there. They're actually very good. When they're painted up, they look lovely. Um, <clears throat> you can certainly see some examples of ones I've painted on like, my social media. But, but that game is, is so well designed. It's so crisp and clean. And it feels like a mass battle, but you don't have to paint loads of stuff. It's not too expensive. Um, when you put 3D scenery on the board as well, and all everything's painted and stuff, it looks great. So yeah, that's one I really like. Um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. That that game it, for a brief period, well, last just before lockdown, hmm. it was coming along really well in the shop. Like ever, I, mean, I, I had House Bolton Army, which is probably the closest to a well, no, Free Folk, I guess, is a is a horde. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I really think that um, all, all the images that Cool Mini tend to put out tend to be just like the, the 3D renders of the models and things. Uh, but I firmly think that if, and I think they are starting to do so, I think if they actually had some more painted examples of these armies yeah. and they showed the game done with all painted in 3D and stuff like that, I really think it could be like a top contender kind of quality war game. I, I believe it's that good. Um, yeah, I've painted, um, I've got four armies for it now, <laughs> which is unusual for me to do so many for one game. Yeah. But yeah, I love it. And I've been to tournaments for it as well, which again is unusual for me. Yeah. Um, that's competitive scene. But again, I'm just like, I just enjoy this game so much that I just, I was willing to, I drove to Stirling in Scotland, which for those not aware of where I am is a five hour drive, which in the UK is huge. So yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll do, do a journey to play that game all weekend. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, amazing. I mean, no, it's interesting as you say, because as I say, we, we had a few really sort of dedicated players for that, and we were just about to start sort of organising events for it. Obviously, everything got, got, yeah, yeah, lockdown, of course, got yeah. locked down, so unfortunately, we couldn't do it. But yeah, I mean... Uh, you let me know when that's on, if I can make it. When, oh, know, yeah. When a tournament happens, or hell, any kind of event for Ice and Fly, if you can let me know when it is. If I can make it, I'll be there. Oh, amazing. <laughs> yes. I'll get the old house Boltons out again. And then yeah. Because <laughs> uh, the thing about that game, what I really what I really liked was the card element. Yes. Um, just and the, the, the one that was always my favourite, especially for well, the house Bolton card was Sadistic Games. Yes, yes. So you could sort of say, well, which ones you want to give me? Oh, I'm going to take that one instead. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. no, that level of thought. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. No, no, I was just saying that level of thought into that game, I just thought it was, yes. it was so so nicely done. And the units being the sizes they are, yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it feels like a mass battle, doesn't it? Even though it's only like 12 figures or so per unit. But I mostly played Lannisters. And um, what I think uh, I like to describe to people as it's like um, each army's got a flavour, like almost like a, a style of play that's quite profound and isn't necessarily based upon the battlefield because you've got the sideboard of the yeah. tactic and then you've got the cards as well. So Lannister troops aren't necessarily as good as the other army ones. Like they're sort of stubborn, like, well, they're well armoured, but their morale's terrible. But they have loads of tricks that are sort of like dirty tricks on your opponent. Yeah. So I think people are quite surprised to see me playing an army like that. It is doing like dirty tricks on them and stuff. But it's like all these cards that affect the enemy morale. And it's a, like narratively, it's like... I've paid that unit off and Cersei's also threatening them. So I'm going to do these things, right? That unit's got to take a morale check and all the men just suddenly abandon it. It's like, yeah. but, you know, like, yeah, yeah. They, they run away right at the start of the battle because I've paid them off. And it's like, it just feels like the universe and it's, yeah. it feels really fun to do it. So yeah. yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. Whenever, whenever I've explained it to people and I've said like, you know, there's this off the board element, hmm. that's when people start going, oh yeah. Yeah, I'm interested. You know, and that's because it's it's different. I don't. There's nothing really about that does it apart from Game of Thrones, really, that I've seen. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's very unusual. I've not seen a game with a sideboard that actually takes like interacts with a game like that. Yeah, yeah it, it's very very well designed. And um, I, I I've I've been on other podcasts actually with people who are like um, a guy who does a thing about the games. And through him, I ended up having a brief chat with the game designer. And they're so passionate about making it as good as possible. So yeah, I, I definitely. Uh, anyone listening to this who wants to try out something new and wants to have a go with a fantasy kind of game, uh, Ice and Fire is one that I think is one of the best games out there. Yeah, oh, brilliant. So, um, oh, what was I going to ask? I was going to ask someone else. <laughs> brain has just, my brain's just escaped me. Um, no, I was going to, so, oh yeah, so, um, you know, you've got your, you, you, you've done so many different projects and things. What's on your, do you have any time for your own personal hobby? 
at all? Um, yeah, I do. Uh, I haven't had so much time. I, so the Academy, um, with the growth of it, is requiring more and more of my time. So I've not had quite so much time to paint my personal stuff as I used to. Um, but recently, I have been finding the time to paint some stuff for a game called War Gods, um, which uh, is a, it's actually been around for quite a long time, but it's very sort of not very well known game. And um, so they come out with a book called War Gods of Olympus. And in, in a nutshell, what this what War Gods is, is it, it's a game like Warhammer Fantasy, but it's set in a mythical version of the ancient world. So they originally had War Gods of Egyptus, where it was all like ancient Egypt, but each of the factions was like uh, the children of one of the gods. So you've got like, I think they've got Anubai. So it's like got the, you know, the jackal heads. Yeah. And so you have the, all the armies are based upon these kind of things. Um, now, Olympus is one that they've been working on for quite a long time. But last year, the rule book came out. And um, with getting the academy going, I couldn't really put much time into it at the time. But I had signed up for a Kickstarter for that. So the stuff arrived. And um, just recently, I was just looking for something. I just wanted to try something else. And I got the models out. And I was like, man, these Athenian models they made are actually really good. So yeah, so Olympus is like, it's right on my street. It's like Warhammer Fantasy. And it's set in mythological Greece. These are two things I really, really like. And um, it, it's, yeah, it's like you, you basically pick a faction that's based upon one of the city states. So you've got Sparta, you've got um, Corinth, you've got, uh, in fact, it goes a bit further out, you've got Amazons and Troy there as well. But I went for Athens and um, you create a demigod. So like, you know, like you're in Hercules kind of thing and you choose who your divine parent is and you get special powers based upon that, you make a warband. And yeah, aside from that, it's like a game where it's a bit like, you know, simultaneous unit activations, you have to, issue an order to your units in secret before the turn starts and then reveal it and stuff. So you've got to kind of predict what your opponent's doing. And yeah, it's really, it's really fun. But the models, I really like the models because they're sculpted by a guy called Chris Fitzpatrick who used to sculpt at Games Workshop when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. So I recognize the style and they're metal figures. So it's like collecting a Warhammer army from like fifth or sixth edition yeah. but with modern cleanliness on the sculpts and things. So I've just been having a blast painting my Athenians. And once I've finished them, I'm going to paint my Spartans as well and you know, get some battles going and stuff. That was so, brilliant. So it's like, almost like a little bit of nostalgia mixed in. Yes. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. And even the rule book, like the rule book's like an older Warhammer fantasy rule book. It's um, 300 and something pages. So it's like a chunky hardback book. And it's got artwork that's like the fifth edition style. So like the, kind of the black and white sketch. Yeah. Art things like that, but it's all like Greeks fighting against Medusa and stuff like that. It's so cool. And then it has the, the colour section with all the colour art and things like that. And then it's got a campaign in it and you can like fight in um, Greece or you can fight in the underworld or you can go onto the islands and have ships and stuff like, you know, landing on the beach and things. It's, I absolutely, it's got all these elements together that I just love. And I've had it in my house for like half a year and just kind of forgot about it. And I like I was like, oh yeah, there's that. And I looked at the book and I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> a little bit of a personal campaign recently to get people to know about it because I think it's that good. The only difficulty is getting hold of the models in the UK because they're mostly in the um, US. But I do know that now that the book's out, they want to get a, a uh, increase their UK distribution and they had planned to do that at Salute until COVID happened. Right. So, you know, so keep an eye on that because I think in the next few years, you're going to see a lot more of it. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I can have that. So yeah, at the moment I'm painting Athenians, and if anyone wants to see them in action, you can have a look at my social media, and you'll see photos as I, you know, complete things and post pictures. That's fantastic. So um, for you, I've been asking everyone this in, in every podcast we're doing. Um, obviously, we've had loads of challenges with lockdown, but have you been affected with that with the business? Has, has that been? Have you had to change how you've been working? Because I imagine uh, you and Roger are going to be working quite closely together when you're actually filming. Well, yeah, yeah. So we had to. Um, 
like when it when it first happened, it was obviously quite scary because it basically lockdown happened in the UK right at the point when we were going to launch, and mm. we were like, should we delay it? We didn't know what to do, um, but we thought because we committed so much to that point, just stick to your guns, go for it, it's now or never, and so we carried on. And I don't know if that has affected how our membership's gone. I really don't know, but we've been doing just fine. So you know, it's actually been going very well. Yeah. As for how we operate in the studio, yeah, we kind of had to be careful with making sure that, you know, we've got, we're not too close to each other all the time. We've got lots of, you know, we clean all the stuff. Um, you know, we have masks in the studio and things. Obviously, I don't wear one when I'm presenting and stuff. But yeah, we had to make sure that we were following the guidelines. But we also had to make sure that we were actually allowed to film. And, you know, it's, we're, we're not eligible for furlough being the kind of size business and how new we are so it's like we had to do stuff or else we were just not going to survive yeah um, and thankfully as we're both joint directors and it's necessary business to me we have to be on site to do it it meant that we could carry on and everything's okay so yeah we've we've managed just fine it's a bit annoying at times that we've got to be careful how we move around the studio and things and you know we've got to clean everything and you know that's a bit yeah. of a pain but um, aside from that everything's been okay oh, good. Um, so yeah Excellent. And then the absolute last thing from me, what are you looking forward to for 2021? Oh, I'm really interested to see the um, Games Workshop's Warmer Quest thing they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Skeletons and stuff. I like that because it looks like it's a classic kind of fancy. I, I suppose it, I realise I'm the amount of things I talk now, like classic fancy is my jam, I suppose. But <laughs> that's not a thing. Um, and so I'm really interested to see how all that looks all together um i'm really excited there's a whole number of games that i follow and i'm really keen to see how they're growing um so modifius with the elder scrolls and with fallout as well really excited to see how those go ice and fire are, um they're not uh, interesting a new edition but they're updating the rules quite significantly so i'm interested to see how that goes and they're releasing a new faction too um i'm hoping that things go back to normal and events can start because i really want to go and see people face to face again and actually take part in events and things so that's something and in the academy um, we've got some really exciting videos that like I can't spoil surprise but we've got some really fun things that we're working on some really exciting things and a few cool announcements that are going to be happening in the next few months so um, yeah there's lots of cool things I suppose the main thing is I'm looking forward to going and seeing people again in a physical shop like yours yeah yeah it's funny but when I've been when I've been chatting to people um, over the last couple of weeks and I've asked everyone the same question and everyone's been saying the same thing you know it's we're getting by at the moment, but the idea of just being able to sit down and chat with people and socialize, because mm. a lot of people that don't do this hobby don't really realize how sociable it is. Yeah, that's the funny thing, isn't it? Because it yeah. like it often appeals to introverts, but it's also very sociable. So actually, it's a really good, um, a really good confidence builder to get to know people. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah, and everyone said they just want to get back out and meet people. Mm -hmm. so, and it's the same with me. I can't wait. As soon as I can open these doors again. Yeah, yeah. man. I mean, I've, I've painted a, a Night's Watch army for Ice and Fire. I can't play with it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go and have a game against somebody. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. And yeah, I, I, I like to meet up. I've got a gaming group and we've we've been like playing Dungeons and Dragons and stuff by Skype and stuff. But um, I want to meet up with them and I, I want to do a campaign of something. And, you know, because campaign games are like what really bring wargaming alive to me. I've got all these different ideas for campaigns I want to do. So... Yeah, I just want to be able to meet up with them and do stuff like that. Like, you know, all these things I've been painting over the last few months. Actually getting some use out of them would be, <laughs> would be nice. 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, the injured, what was, someone said to me the other day, they said, I'll tell you what, the gaming tables are going to look brilliant when everyone's back because everyone's going to mm-hmm. have fully painted armies. That's right. There's no excuses. No yeah. excuses whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> more than enough time. I mean, I, I mean, in the in the first lockdown, I painted a whole Mantic Kings of War army mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks. And I, was, I wasn't expecting that. I, was, I thought, oh, I'll do it like an Instagram thing and keep everyone sort of up to date with what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. Before I knew it, I was like, oh, I've done the whole army. I'm going to have to find something else to paint now. So my part of shame got a lot lot smaller that day. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was doing that fairly early on with the lockdown stuff. I was, um, so I got the uh, the Dothraki, uh, the Targaryen army in Ice of Fire. And I was like, right, I'm going to paint this. And the Final Fantasy VII remake comes out in April. And I know that's going to take up all my time. So I want to finish this army before that. And at that point, it was like, you know, lockdown's only going to be happening for three weeks or so. So, you know, everything will be back to normal by the time that, that, that's done, then wicked. Um, nope, painted the army, wicked, on the shelf. Uh, what do I do now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, mean, I, I think it'd be great. When we can, we can get the day gaming tables back and some rolling some dice, I think everyone's going to be a lot better off. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, and things finally get back to normal. Uh, yeah, but um, Duncan, <laughs> I mean, brilliant. I mean, there's nothing else... I wanted to ask you, but apart from saying thank you very much for agreeing to sort of jump on this podcast with me. Oh, you're very welcome. It's um, it's it's really nice. I, I, it's really enjoyable just talking to yourself, and um, I'm always happy to, you know, um, basically talk to small stores. Like I was saying with the retail stuff earlier, it's like such a huge important part of the community. So yeah, it's 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 actually really fun, and it's nice to chat to a you know a fellow hobbyist about stuff. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean that's you know that's what I enjoy doing, and that's one of the things I've been missing the most, and then. I thought, well, why don't I just do it on a podcast and just chat to people about hobby, what they like, because that's mm. what I like. So it's yeah. one of the reasons why I do it in the, in the first place. Yeah, yeah. I bet it's quite interesting, actually, to see, like, the inside world of different people. And, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's funny. Like, I've, I've been chatting to so many different people, but everyone gets something different, and everyone gets something different out of it. Mm. You know, I know, I know some people that have some real challenges, and the hobby is... is everything to them you know that's what they do and other people are just they love crunching the numbers and being the, that guy you know <laughs> they love that you yeah know, but you know what you know that's how they enjoy it and and it's just it's really interesting and I've got my way of enjoying the hobby and I've got mm-hmm. to chat to people like yourself and people who I would never have expected to speak to during this podcast yeah. so yeah, yeah well, that's that is true there's a, there's a thing I always remembered um uh, in retail so they had these various different like um training points one of them was um it's um your hobby it's their hobby not your hobby and uh, that meant that you know when you're talking to a customer or something it's like what's what's interesting to them and to get an actual meaningful conversation with somebody mm-hmm. and to identify what their um passion is in this realm so um that's like going back to like earlier on i prefer the like not necessarily narrative gaming and stuff, but I've got to feel like it's a believable situation in the game. Mm. And so for me, the armies come alive when I have that kind of thought of, all right, this is a feasible force in this universe of this sort of thing can happen. Um, that said, that's just my way of doing stuff. Someone who's purely into it for like the numbers, like you say, that's a perfectly valid way of playing these games. And you should never think to yourself, like, I'm right, they're wrong. Because, you know, I, I know people whose interest in the hobby is reading novels. And they love the stories and stuff. And they'll buy the miniatures, but they won't paint them or anything like that. They enjoy the just reading it. Yeah, valid part of this hobby. Um, 
so yeah it's always a, a thing that people can forget and i remember seeing like the wars between the the fluff gamers versus the competitive gamers and who who's right and the answer is no one is like, yeah. what's interesting to you because everyone appears in different places on this like broad tapestry of what makes up this this hobby i guess yeah absolutely and, it, and like you say there's no wrong or right way of doing it if you're enjoying it you're doing it right if you're not enjoying it then you're probably not doing it right but you know if it's about it's, it's something to be enjoyed and at the moment i think we're all enjoying it but we're missing that part that social part at the moment yes yeah yeah tabletop simulator isn't quite the same thing is it <laughs> yeah it's funny it's funny you say that because so many people have said that to me and i've stayed clear of it the mm. tabletop, tabletop simulator stuff and i i just think I've just heard horror stories of people just saying like if, if that was my first experience of the of tabletop gaming they just like I wouldn't do it well exactly yeah like I, I've seen some people playing it and whilst watching it, I've been thinking to myself like why don't you just play Warhammer Total War mm. or something like that yeah yeah because <laughs> it's a different really you play it in person with the miniatures it's a different thing to a video game it is it is totally there's, yeah it's a, it's a different animal completely mm. and the, the idea of sort of then simulating that it just seems really odd to me i don't understand it yeah yeah i don't like new things <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean it's, it's so funny there's no wrong or right to it like you say and um but you know it's all you enjoy it how you, how you want to enjoy it um and again duncan all i can say is thank you very much and yeah, like I, I, say, I was saying to you earlier, I didn't even expect you to respond to my email. So, <laughs> <laughs> so well, yeah. I, I do my best to reply to everybody. It's getting difficult these days, but, uh, but yeah, if someone's going to take the time to interact with our stuff, then you know, at least I can do is I do my best to interact back with them. No, that's brilliant. Well, thank you very much. And uh, for those of you who haven't heard of Duncan before, it's the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy. Make sure you check them out. Absolutely fantastic. Um, thank you very much, Duncan. You're very welcome. Okay, so that was the end there. So huge thank you again to Duncan for taking the time to talk to me. Um, it was an absolute pleasure. And to all of you that have got through to the end here, thank you so much for your your, your downloads and your support. Um, every every person that listens to this podcast is a huge support for our shop in the, little, in the middle of Kent. So um, thank you so much. If you want to um, find out more about us and the Grumpy Pony in general, you can check us out at www.grumpypony.co.uk. Thanks again, everyone, for listening, and I'll see you again in the next one. <laughs>